0: Right into the Word of God. Uh, uh, and I'm going to begin to read from the second verse. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then we're going to flip over to Genesis 39 and just verse 20 in just a moment. Um, you know, I remember uh, we moved home. Uh, this is some time, some, some time ago, some years back. We moved home, and uh, where we moved to, this is when we were living in England. Uh, Unfortunately, we moved next door to a madhouse. So if you know what it's like living next door to the Gadaree and Demoniac, I mean, it was very close to that. So uh, there were these five guys mentally deranged. Uh, They scared my younger kids and it was just chaotic because at about 11 o'clock every night, they would play Indian music and they would play it all the way up until about 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, You know, over here in the United States, in particular, I'm referring to California, um, I haven't seen so many mad people in all my life. Like, they just roam the streets, talking to themselves, tripping out. In England, it's not like that. They uh, don't just let people roam the streets. They institutionalize them. They put them into an asylum, uh, a mental home. And sometimes, they'll even put them in a neighborhood. Like where everybody else lives, just to give them the sense of normality, I guess. And so we happen to be living next door, Indian music blasting, 11 o'clock, 5 a.m. in the morning. People are upset. Uh, people are, 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 are cursing across the street. And I remember they had one of the guys there called Ansa. Ansa, I think, was the worst of these demoniacs and they had him live in a separate apartment, a unit outside in the garden. And uh, he would uh, come out and he would bang on the door to the main house uh, around three o'clock in the morning. And uh, he would start screaming, ah, Mark, open the door, boom, 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 Mark. I mean, just crazy. I remember one time the caretaker came out and said, Ansel, what's wrong with you? And I'm thinking, you know what's wrong with the brother, he's crazy. (laughs) You know, The reason why I was a little bit disturbed by it all is because my kids have to sleep, they gotta get up, they gotta go to school the next morning. For me, I don't hear anything. Unless I get up to go to the bathroom, unless my wife is sick or my kids are crying, I hear, I feel, God's given me a gift of sleeping when, the sleep, when I get into my bed, I just die. Like, I'm gone, folks. I check into hotels all the time. Sometimes there are parties in the hotel. Music's blasting. Bass is playing. I hear nothing. I'm gone. But, but, but my kids. And so I remember my wife and I going to see them. We're knocking at their door one early evening. Another couple in the neighborhood came. We're trying to persuade them that they they need to do something about this. The caretaker's like, sorry, sir. Uh, I apologize, that's all I can do. I'm like, well, is there anything you can do to help us? I mean, like, maybe give them more drugs or something. I mean, I didn't say that. (laughs) I was thinking it, though. I'm thinking, gosh, man, this is crazy. The reason why this was terrible (coughs) is because we had just signed a three-year lease. And so we're, we're now trapped in this situation. I'm thinking, oh God. Anyway, my wife and I head for the gym one morning. I get to the parking lot the gym, I park up, and I realize I didn't have my car keys. Because so I have one of those cars that has a button, you press the button, and um, as long as the key is in close proximity, the engine starts. And so I drive all the way, I don't have my key. I'm like, God, man, I must have forgotten it in the house. I remember running back inside, you know, before we drove off, got my spare key from my brother whatever. Uh, he took me to my office and I got my spare key. But anyway, I get home and lo and behold, my key is in the door. So I had put the key in the door and I left it in the door, ran and got something, came back outside, jumped in the car, drove off. I'm like, oh, my God, man, the key's in the door. My house key, car keys, office keys, everything's right there. And what happened was the drug addict was walking by. Because we live on the main road. Drug addict walking by, sees the key. And of course, the drug addict is an opportunist. Goes to our house and turns the key to go into the house. When one of the mad brothers from next door saw him. Ah! Ah! <laughs> and scared the drug addict away. Oh, my God, I got a revelation, folks. And God showed me what can happen in the midst of madness. Have you ever had a mad situation in life? Perhaps madness in your marriage, madness in a relationship, madness with your health, maybe madness with your money, madness with your kids, madness on your job, madness in your school, madness. And the Lord showed me that he's able To bring something good out of mad situations. And that was the birthing of this message. Because the Lord showed me very clearly that life, everybody say life. Life. That's right. Life is a classroom filled with lessons. And I want to talk to you about this very interesting subject. As, as the Spirit of God gave it to me, I'm just going to give it to you raw, uncensored, undiluted. Can you handle it? Can you handle concentrated stuff? Okay, because I'm just, I'm just warning you right now, folks. No, 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 you need to add some water to that for me. No, 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 I'm going to give it to you the way the Lord gave it to me. Look at verse number two. <laughs> Uh, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought into his father or brought into his father their evil report, and now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of, of many colours. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren they hated him and they could not speak peaceably unto him and Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren and they hated him yet the more. I want you to jump over to chapter 39 um, and verse number 20 just the one verse there it says "And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison A place where the king's prisoners were bound and he was there in the prison. So I want to talk to you this evening about life's lessons. I want you to say it. Life's lessons. Just say it. Life's Life's lessons. lessons. I say that because life is always trying to teach us something. You're in a classroom right now. I'm not just talking about being in church. But your whole life, you're actually in a classroom. And thank God that he's taking us somewhere. The only reason we would be in a classroom is because he's trying to teach us something to prepare us for where he's taking us. Aren't you grateful that God's not done with you? You should be. He hasn't put you on a shelf somewhere and say, can't do anything with you anymore. No, he's constantly having to bring these tests to teach lessons so that he can use our lives at some future point. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Once again, I thank you for the gathering of your people, your children, who've come to hear in hunger. I'm asking God that you would speak a word, make it clear. Envision your people. God, bring revelation and insight. Bring the wisdom of God into our hearts. Help us, God, to be able to learn what you're teaching us. So that we would not remain stuck and we give you all the glory and God's people rejoice and shouted, Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I I do have favorite characters in the Bible. And by far, Joseph is my favorite biblical character. Joseph is a hero to me. I love his story. Uh, People, they they write uh, uh, sermons about him, Sunday school classes. They've got Bible studies about Joseph. They even make movies about Joseph, you know. And so his story is a profound and prolific story. To me, Joseph is a hero because this man didn't have a brother to encourage him. He didn't have a pastor. He didn't have a church to go to. He didn't have revivals like you all have. He didn't have a conference to attend, nobody to call. He had no Bible to read, no Christian music to listen to, He couldn't go on YouTube and listen to sermons and encourage himself, Uh, and yet he's sitting in a dungeon and does not deny God. My God, and and, and here we are, we have everything. We're we're spoiled, folks, we really are. Complain about everything, upset about this and unhappy about that. Joseph had nothing, and yet he is suffering such great Uh, distress and trauma in his life uh, but never turns his back on god i love this man i can't read his story without being deeply moved matter of fact every time i read the story of joseph oftentimes it drives me or draws me to tears because it's so moving to read this man's life and if you know anything about typology joseph was a type of christ he was a type of Christ, whether it's you want to look at it from the rejection of his brothers, like Jesus was rejected, to uh, uh, him uh, being, being imprisoned. Uh, as, as Jesus went into the prison, the Bible says, uh, uh, we know about his suffering, like Jesus suffered. Uh, and uh, the Bible tells us that he saved the known world as Jesus has saved the world through his blood. So he was a type of Christ. And so when you think about Joseph, and you read about Joseph, and perhaps even this text that we've considered tonight, it, it's very easy to fall into deception, into thinking that Joseph was a perfect man, as Jesus was. Uh, and you have to really read between the lines. And folks, here's the thing is, when you're, when you're reading the Bible, you have to become a Bible detective. You've got to be looking for clues. You know, the book contains so many clues, so that God can show us the mysteries of the word of God. So if you look back at the text, um, uh, you'll you'll, you'll notice a number of things about Joseph. Uh, um, It says, number one, in verse two, he was 17 years old. Do we have any 17 year olds in here? If you're 17, let me see your hand, or close to 17, 16, 18, anybody at all? Okay, we got one there. Okay, but he's 17. And you're probably thinking, well, what significance is 17? I mean, you know, it says he's 17. Well, 17-year-olds are teenagers, and sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, um, I know that's not true with Abigail, right? Abigail, you're 18, right? You're 16, she's almost there, but, you know, teenagers can be rascals sometimes, right? I'm not saying that Joseph was, I'm trying to Build a case here, folks. I want you to follow me. It says that he brings the evil report of his brothers and then tells the father. So that means he was a snitch. <laughs> do you, do you? Nobody likes a snitch. Daddy, let me tell you what they said this time. Let me tell you what they're up to. Let me tell you what they did. Let me tell you where they went. And the Bible says he brings their evil report to the father and reports them. So he's 17. He's snitching on his brothers. And in verse 3, the Bible says Israel or Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children. This was a cardinal sin number one of parenting. You never show favoritism to one child over another. He wrestled with favoritism most of his adult life. He loved one child more than he loved the others. This is one of the most damning things that a parent can do. But he loves Joseph more than all his children And yes, the Bible gives us the reason, the son of his old age, but that's irrelevant. And as a result, folks, see, Joseph knew his father loved him. The brothers knew that the father loved him more. It's like, man, daddy loves him more than he loves us. He knew my daddy loves me and he loves me more than the rest of you. And it says the father made him a coat of many colors. The word coat comes from the Hebrew. It is a Hebrew word to cover. So Joseph is covered in a way that his brothers are not covered. So we know he's dressed in a way that his brothers aren't dressed. He's clothed in a way that his brothers are not clothed. And the Bible says, and when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brethren, they hated him. Dad loves him more. You know what? We're going to hate on this man. So they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably to him. And then in verse 5 it says, Joseph dreamed a dream. And then he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. He's, he's, he's sprinkling salt on the injury. They already hate him, folks. Uh, you know. So here he is, he's 17, year old, 17 years old. He's a little brat. Uh, he, he's, he's running around telling the father, snitching on his brothers. Uh, he's got the coat. He knows his father loves him more. Can you, can you get the picture now, folks? He's got the coat on, many colors. You see him strutting himself. Coming down his brothers are there. He's wearing a coat. They ain't wearing no coat They don't have a coat. Look <laughs> look at my coat. Daddy loves me. Where's your coat? You know, he's got the coat on <laughs> And then he has these revelatory dreams God's showing him the future God's giving him pr- pr- prophetic words uh, and then he comes to the brothers that already hate him And he says by the way the Lord has showed me that all of you are going to bow down to me one day now I have a question folks. Do you think it's possible that Joseph had a little bit of pride? Just a little bit of pride? <laughs> the Bible says that he's in prison in chapter 39. He's now he's in he's in prison. What does the scripture tell us? It says pride brings a man low. He's in a very low place now. And the reason is because God is trying to teach him something. And when God's trying to teach you something, it's your duty. It is my duty to learn what the Lord is trying to teach. Can you all say amen? Amen. Psalms 4 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. He's crying out to God because of a situation in his life. And he says, you are the God of my righteousness, and I'm asking you to hear me when I call on you. And then by revelation, he says, you have enlarged me when I was in distress. Come on, say it. Distress. Say it. Distress. The word distress is a Hebrew word that means a tight place. I'm in a tight place. I feel restricted it's hard to maneuver it's hard to navigate I feel stuck here in this place called distress and the Bible says uh, when he was in distress then God came and brought the expansion that's incredible to me folks because most people they start to panic it's distressful you don't understand what I'm going through right now it's so it's so hard excuse me I've got all these situations, these conditions I'm dealing with. I feel so tight. I feel so pressed. And the Bible says in that moment, in that season, God comes and He brings the enlargement. He's telling you not to panic. He's telling you not to worry. He's telling you not to be fearful. He's telling you that he's trying to teach you something out of life circumstances. Because, see, life is a classroom, folks, filled with lessons. It's tragic when we're not learning those lessons. You're navigating your way through life. God's trying to teach you things, and you're failing to learn. One of the worst things that could happen to you is to come to the end of your days and to have never learned... The things that God has been trying to teach you all your life. In Africa, when people flunk a year, they make you repeat the class, so those who are younger than you catch up with you. Over here, they, you know, it's it's different in the West. The educational system is so different. They, you know, they got the same class, but then they grade people. These are the smart kids. These are the dumb kids. But they're all, and they just push everyone, and they just, you just. Come on, let's get you graduated, graduate the, dum- the dummies. Just, just keep, Africa, they make you repeat the class and if you keep repeating, if you're not careful, you will grow a beard in class. <laughs> Ladies too, I've seen women with beards, trust me. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Have you ever been to that place, folks? Where you say to yourself, man, it seems like I've been here before. Yeah, it seems like the situation is exactly the same as it was in the past. Yeah, it's called deja vu. And you keep experiencing the same thing. And it's almost like you feel trapped and you can't break out of this endless monotonous cycle. And you keep repeating the same thing again and again and again and again, and the lesson is not registering. Look, folks, I was—it was a Sunday at the end of the service. I remember I was standing at the back of the church. People, you know, um, uh, visitors, new converts, just church folks, just talking to people. Some there, I'm talking. This young lady comes up to me you know she wasn't a member of our church oh pastor thank you for the message today and and you know I'm not from your church or the Potter's house I she told me she was from the Midlands somewhere and she said that she uh, she she went was visiting friends and family went online found our church came out to it uh, and uh, so she starts telling me about her church back home her pastor of uh, the role that she played and all this da, 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 da. she's telling me all this stuff uh, and then she says you know but everything got messed up I said what are you talking about got messed up says yeah it all got messed up because you know <laughs> Excuse me, I got desperate. I wanted a husband i 'm going to get married. I want to have a family and so so, as a result, you know this guy you know there 's always this guy, this guy who wasn 't even saved starts talking to her calls her. Don't ask me how he got her number. Somehow he did. Get Calls on the phone. Hey, listen, sweetheart, uh, let's get together, you and me. Let's move in together. Come, we'll get pregnant, have a baby, we'll get married, we'll have a family, we'll live happily ever after. He makes all these promises. He's pouring out all these promises to this girl and this younger. I'm waiting to hear that she, she says she slapped him or something. Uh, but she said she backslid and moved in with the guy. So I'm watching her. I'm looking at her. We're standing in the back. Uh, she says, yeah, I moved in with them man. I got, I got pregnant for him. And, and uh, you know, I had the baby. And, then, and so I had to ask her. I said, so did the man marry you? You know how these brothers, they make the promise, but they never really do. the Come on, folks. Y'all are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I know you know better. <laughs> I said, did he marry you? She said, no. I said, so what did you do? She said, I took my baby. I went back to church. I rededicated my life to the Lord. Now, don't you just thank God for second chances? Come on, folks, you're Christians here. You should know theology. Thank God for second chances. Some of us were on our second chance. Some of us were on our fifth, our seventh, our 13th, our 119th chance. But thank God for second chances. She said, but he calls again. And I'm looking at her. That's where one's bitten twice shy. Right? Right, folks? Once bitten, twice shy, that's when she should have changed the color of her hair, changed the color of her eyes, changed her telephone number, moved across town, changed her job. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said, did you folks? This is where she should have blocked him. Y'all know about blocking culture, and don't you dare say you don't know. Block him on WhatsApp, block him on iMessage, block him in the email, block, block, block. Block the pastor. I've been blocked before. Have they blocked? Pastor, I think they blocked you, you know. I can't get through to them. She should have blocked him. But she answers the phone and is telling me, well, we technically are a family. We got a child together, and he's going to make it right this time. So she backslides, moves in with him, gets pregnant a second time. And so I said, did he marry you? She says, no. I said, so what would you do? I took both my kids, went back to church, rededicated my life to the Lord. He called me a third time. I'm like, no, he didn't. He said, yeah, he did. I'm like, no, 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 no. He couldn't have. Yeah, he called me a third time. And I said, what did you do? Well, I mean, look, I got two kids. Uh, man. my life's already... Man. I, 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 we gotta, I'm just believing this thing's gonna... He's gonna make it right this time. Backslides a third time, moves in with the guy, gets pregnant, has the baby. I asked the question, did he marry you this time? I just kept asking folks. <laughs> she said, no. I said, so what did you do this time? I took all three kids, went back to church rededicated my life to the Lord with all my three kids uh, till he calls me again. And what did you do this time? Well, three kids, so uh, I went back to him, backslid, got pregnant a fourth time, had the four babies, did he marry? No. What did you do? Took all four kids, went back to church, rededicated my life to the Lord. Folks, have you ever been to that place? I mean, you might not have, but have you ever been to that place where you felt like giving somebody a backhand? Bop! I felt like giving her a good slap, but you know number one is I'm a man. I don't hit women Let me just say that again. I don't hit ladies if you're here and you hit women We ought to put a sack over your head drag you out into the desert and give you the beating of your life I'm a Christian. I'm a preacher. We protect our women, but oh folks. I wanted to grab her and I wanted to shake her. wrong with you, girl. Aren't you getting the four times? She has a string of children now. Have you ever been to a farm and seen a, a hen with all the little chicks running under? She's got, she's got the harness in the front, one baby here, one on the back. She's got a stroller. She's pulling her kids back. She's got no husband, no male role model, no male covering, no protection, no provision. She has exposed those kids, uh, and she's failing to learn the lessons that God was trying to teach her. God's trying to teach her patience, but she's not learning. He's trying to teach her Contentment, but she's not learning. He's trying to teach her how to resist temptation But she's not learning and every lesson God tried to teach this young girl. She failed to learn And while I was talking to her, I noticed that she was pregnant with the fifth child Deja vu And she stuck in this endless cycle, and she's never able to break out and go north. She's not learning. God, God's trying hey, listen, I'm trying, to be, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to let you see where I'm really trying to take you, but you won't let me take you. You're frustrating the grace of God because you're not learning. It's tragic, folks, where God is really trying to get us from one place to another, but we fail to learn. See, listen, God's trying to prepare Joseph for so many things in his life. You know, we know that that uh, it, it, down in Egypt, God had to to teach him and prepare him uh, 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 with with things like administrative skills because of his role that was coming, bilingual skills, management skills, uh, public relational skills, uh, all these things God had to input in into Joseph's life uh, to prepare him for the role that he was taking him. But you know, by God, God had to deal with a lot of other things in Joseph. He's preparing him for a place of greatness as God is you. He is preparing you for a place that's greater uh, than where you are now, that is far beyond where you could ever fathom. Uh, God really is at work in your life. He's committed to you, uh, and he will never forsake the work of his hands, uh, for you are the work of God's hands, uh, and God is taking you further than you even realize. God's having to teach Joseph uh, some basic lessons. He's having to teach him lessons on patience. And, you know, uh, uh, because he's sitting there in, in, in a prison, he, he doesn't know, when am I ever going to get out of this hell hole? When am I going to see my dad again? When am I going to see my family? When's all this going to end? Uh, and, and, and many times we as believers believe or we feel that delay means de- denial, but it doesn't. Delay does not mean denial. Can you just say that for a moment, delay? Tell yourself that delay does not mean denial. Say it, delay does not mean enough. Just because you, there's a delay does not mean that God has necessarily denied that many times that the delay is for a reason. The most painful part or the most painful aspect of waiting or the most painful aspect of patience or exercising patience is that you don't know how long you're going to have to wait for. If you knew how long you had to wait, how many know you'd have the victory of God every day of your life? I don't need to worry. I know when I'm going to get the job because the Lord has already showed me in seven days, three hours and two minutes. I'm going to get a phone call. So why should I? You hear what I'm saying? Ladies, I don't have to go on those dating websites and look for a guy. The Lord's already showed me. That in, in three and a half months, uh, on a Wednesday night service, uh, a man of God's gonna walk through the door, get saved, fill the Holy Ghost, and six months later, he's gonna be asking me, I'm gonna get married, and we're gonna be missionaries in this. Kind of... I don't have to worry. I don't have to go run around chasing men everywhere, because uh, the Lord's already showed me. You would always have the victory if you knew when your healing was going to come, when you knew when the breakthrough was going to come, when you knew when the deliverance was coming. You would always have the victory. The tormenting aspect is we don't know how long we have to wait. But delay does not mean deny God's having to prepare him for this. Look, I've got to teach you about delay. I've got to teach you about patience. I've got to teach you about waiting you know, because I'm preparing you for something greater. My God. See, God had to teach him lessons on provision. That doesn't make sense, folks, how God teaches us about provision. Pastors talk about all these things where God's providing food being left on. I mean, why does God have to do it that way? I have so many radical stories about that kind of stuff, you know I read uh, this one story about Tom Dixon, uh, and um, <clears throat> Tom Dixon was working on his car out in the yard and and uh, when he was finished that night, he went back in the house, uh, took a shower uh, about to jump into bed, noticed it uh, in the morning that he had, had lost his wedding ring. God man, he gets up in the morning uh, uh, he 's trying to backtrack trying to figure out where he put the ring, and then he remembered that he was as he was working on the car. He got so much oil on his, his, and he had a loose ring. It slipped off his 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 uh, his ring finger with all of the the waste that he was throwing into the garbage, and his ring went into the garbage can. So he rushed outside to to get the ring out of the garbage can, but the dumpster had come and taken the garbage away. So he drove to the the the, the dump yard. So I got to get this ring by all means. I don't know what that ring meant. to. Me. Maybe it was sentimental. I don't know. But he gets there. He starts sifting through the, the refuse, the garbage. He's digging through everything. And Tom Dixon is there for four days. You can look up the story. True story. Four days he's digging through rat infested garbage, looking for the ring. He could not find it. On the fourth day, he gave up. This ring's not here. I've lost it forever. As he's about to turn to go home, he notices $20. My God, $20, what else is in here? He starts digging, 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 digging. He finds a box, he opened it up. It had these old antiquated baseball cards, 2,000 a number, very expensive. There must be something else here. He's digging, 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 digging. He comes across a guitar. Uh, With all the strings intact signed by Jimi Hendrix. Oh my god. He places. What else is in here? This is a treasure. He's digging, digging, digging. He finds another box that had these gold coins. He said, oh my god. He continues digging, digging, digging. He finds a sack. He pulls the sack out, opens it, and it has 63,000 U.S. dollars. He then goes and takes everything to the police. Uh, They take everything off him, but because they couldn't find the owner of the money, they let him keep the 63 grand, and then he went out and bought himself a new new ring. Uh, God provides in mysterious ways. He's taking Joseph through all of this drama just to bring provision for the world through his wisdom. God, why do you have to do it that way? Why does his brothers have to hate him, throw him into a pit, have him go through all of that just so that you can provide? This is incredible. Incredible lessons are here, folks. But God's having to teach him this. he's having to teach him uh, uh, the lesson of learning to live with unlikable people. Anyone here ever encountered an unlikable person? That unlikable person might be in your school, on your job, and it's like you constantly are having to deal with unlikable people. That person could be in your church. It could be in your ministry team. It's like they're so unlikable. They're just so irritating. I don't like being around them. I love them, but I don't like them. But see, here's the thing is if you like who you love, you'll enjoy the relationship, by the way. That's another sermon. But you, you know, and God help you if you're married to someone that you don't like. But he, here he's having to teach them something because these brothers are unlikable. But I'm teaching you, Joseph, uh, you're going to have to learn to live with them. I, I love uh, wildlife and animals and all that. And so I, I like to entertain myself with, with material that has to do with, with wildlife, animals, and things out in the wild. Uh, I love, love the nature. Um, and uh, so I was reading about the Kango Sheepdog. And the Kango Sheepdog is an incredible dog that the, the Turkish shepherds use in the Mediterranean. And they use these dogs to protect the sheep. And so, when the wolves are coming, the dog is so powerful it can kill a wolf. The only problem is that it has a weakness, its tail. If the wolf gets a hold of the tail, uh, they can overpower the dog, kill the dog. So, the shepherds started cutting the, 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 the puppies' tails off. They would chop, the, as the puppies are born, they'd chop his tail off. Uh, so, that way, there's no vulnerability. The problem is, that when those uh, puppies grow into adulthood, they never forget the face of the one who cut off their tail, and then they would attack them. They would retain the memory of the person who traumatized them by cutting off their tail. So you know what they started to do? They would take the puppy to a neighboring town or village where uh, some random anonymous person uh, that never had a chance of ever seeing this dog ever again. And they would just get this anonymous person, chop the tail off, uh, and uh, pretty much that would be it. Uh, uh, The dog would never see that person again. I realize that a lot of God's people are just like that. Your tail's been chopped off. You've been traumatized by something or by someone, and as long as you don't see that person or you don't hear that person's name mentioned, you're fine. But the moment their name is mentioned, you're smiling on the outside, but you know that ugly feeling rises up on the inside. Don't talk about them around me. But you're smiling on the outside. You notice that the people that have a problem with people seem to be the same people that always have a problem with people and the reason why you can never escape that problem is because you won't learn to live with unlikable people so that lesson god keeps putting that lesson right in your face you're not learning this you're going to keep repeating this class until you get it you miss a good place to say ouch amen or to slap someone on the back of their head or something you (laughs) need to say amen to that And if you, you, you I, know, I know you understand what I'm saying. And when you get home tonight, even if you can't say amen right now, that's fine. When you get home and you turn the lights off, just nod your head one time. You know what you're saying. God's having to teach him, folks. And, and so this is what I want to do tonight in this message. I want to give you some food for thought, which contains three lessons. That If we can learn these lessons, we will survive. We'll survive the test of time. We will make it. You know, there are a lot of people that aren't in church today because they won't learn what God's teaching. You will weather the storm. You won't end up as a byword or a proverb or an illustration in someone's sermon one day. Three things. Number one, Folks, learn these lessons. These are, these are some serious lessons right here. Number one, lesson number one, people are not good. If you disagree, that's the reason why you have so much trouble in your life. Because you're expecting people to be good. And when people drop the ball on you and they hurt you, People are going to hurt you. They're going to violate you. They're going to backbite. They're going to gossip. They're going to slander. They're going to do things that bring pain and anguish to your soul. People are the result of our stress. Most stress in life comes because of other people. Other people make life difficult to bear other people want to make people commit suicide. Other people want to make people leave their family and destroy everything they've got. Other people want to make you stress out. Listen to me here folks. Uh, you got to get over this because people are not good. Matter of fact in Matthew Mark Mark rather Mark 10:18, uh, Jesus said, uh, "Why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that's God. Only God is good." Come on, let's try to say that. Only God is good. Say it with your mouth. Only God is good, folks. People are not good and people are going to create trouble for you. The reason why many people have left church is because of other people. By the way, while I'm on the subject of church, let me just say this. You can't make me leave my church. (laughs) You can't gossip me out of my church. You can't offend me out of my church. You can't segregate me out of my church. You didn't bring me here and you can't drive me out. I didn't come here because of you. I came here because of Jesus. But you'd be surprised at how fickle people are. Oh, how petty they are. It's this person. It's what they said. It's how I got treated. It's what they did. It's what they were talking down. Listen, people, I refuse to give you that kind of power over me. People aren't good. And the moment you catch this revelation and you learn this lesson, that's the night you're going to sleep like a baby wrapped up in a fetal position. And while you're at it, might as well get a hot water bottle, make it a teddy bear, wrap yourself (laughs) up, cuddle yourself up. You're going to sleep the deepest sleep you've ever slept. All your stresses will be gone. The next time somebody does something foolish or crazy, just think, they're people. What did you expect? They're They're just people. Jesus said it, folks. He helped us eradicate this problem. Said, Look, people aren't good because you're, 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 you, you have this unrealistic expectation of people are not good. Only God is good. Amen. Food for thought number two or lesson number two is sometimes you have to put things in the I don't know folder. You have an I don't know folder and you don't use it. Stressing yourself all the time. I need to find out why this is happening to me. I need to know why I'm alone. I need to know why this hasn't happened yet or why this took place in my life. I don't understand why all this is going on. God, I need to find out. You're wasting time. Your life is trickling by; it is passing along, uh, and you're there, wrapped up, caught up, uh, and you're fixated on this, trying to figure out why some 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 problem or some issue is 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 not resolved in your life. I got to know this. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine: secret things belong to the Lord our God, but revealed things are for us and our children. Uh, There are some things uh, God reserves the right to withhold from us. He doesn't have to tell you everything that's going on in your life because he wants you to trust him. And when you don't understand certain things, uh, you can say, hey, listen, God, I don't get what you're doing here. None of this makes any sense, but you know, I ain't going to stress out of this. I'm going to stress over this. I got a life to live. I got a family. I got responsibility. I got to live for God. Uh, you know, some people, they comatose. They come in. I'm not happy. I'm, not, I'm coming out of ministry for now because I got to figure out what's going on. I'm not coming on outreach. No, 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 no. I can't make it. I just need time alone. Open up the I don't know folder. Put that thing inside. Pick up your Bible and get on with your Christian life. It was Pastor Warner, my pastor. Arguably one of the most fruitful men in our fellowship uh, who broke his back as he answered the call of God, paralyzed from waist down. Him and his wife have been able to have kids almost 50 years in ministry, built a powerful ministry, planted hundreds of churches and missionaries around the world. Has it paralyzed? You know, he's had cancer a couple of times. He's had all kinds of wound care. The other day, he fell off the bed in, in San Antonio, uh, broke his leg in two places. Uh, they had to amputate one of his legs. Uh, he's having to deal with the wound all, all the time. Uh, it was Pastor Warner that said, sometimes you have to live for God with question marks. If I don't understand this. Draw a big question mark over it and keep serving God with joy. God, I'm going to leave this with you. I don't get this. That's fine. I can live without this thing. I don't need to know. You reserve the right to withhold that information from me. You're God. Live for God with question marks, and that is you need to sometimes put things in the I don't know folder. Number three, you cannot connect the dots going forwards, you can only connect them when you look back. You are going to be one of the most miserable individuals in the world if you try to connect dots going forward. You're trying to prophesy your life as you're progressing. Oh yeah, watch what's going to happen now. The Lord's already showed it to me. And then when you get disappointed, someone's going to let all the air out and you are going to be depleted. Because it didn't happen the way that I did. I was sure that it was going to be. Well, you better hear what I'm saying here tonight. You can't connect the dots as you're going forwards. It's only when you get there and you look back, it's like, oh my, God, I see, oh, God, I see it now. That's why. What the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes 8 verse 6. To every purpose, there's a time and judgment. Therefore, the misery of man is great upon him, for he knoweth not uh, that which shall be, for who can tell when it shall be? You don't know, folks. You think you can figure it out, but then when it doesn't go your way, it's like, God, what in the world is going on with my life? God, where are you? That's why he's telling you the misery of man uh, is great upon him. Uh, You can't live life Connecting the dots going forwards. You have to arrive at the destination and then look back. And that's what determines whether or not an individual has trusted God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall direct your path. It was when Joseph stood before Pharaoh, and he was pronounced uh, the prime minister of Egypt, the most powerful man apart from Pharaoh in Egypt. That's when he thought and connected all the dots. Oh, God, it all makes sense now. All of his sorrow, all his weeping, all his pain wiped away in a moment of time. And there he is standing there looking back thinking, oh my God because had my father not loved me more, he wouldn't have given me the coat. My brothers wouldn't have hated me. Had they not hated me, they wouldn't have put me in a pit and then sold me to the Ishmaelites. Uh, Had I not been sold uh, to the Ishmaelites, uh, I never would have wound up in Egypt. Uh, Had I never wound up in Egypt, uh, I never would have become a slave in Potiphar's house. Uh, Had I never been a slave, uh, then Potiphar's wife uh, wouldn't have maneuvered on me. Uh, Had that not happened, I never would have wound up in prison Uh, had I not gone to prison I never would have met the butler whose dream I interpreted Uh, and had I not done that I wouldn't be standing before Pharaoh who has now declared me as the prime minister of this nation my God I see it now and God accelerated his life uh, took him from the prison to the palace uh, and overnight he's got a house he's got a wife Because Pharaoh gave him a wife. He said, yeah, man, you're going to get married. Don't worry. God knows. And he accelerates his life. uh, And all of his sorrows are drowned in a moment of time because he had to trust God and look at his life uh, afterwards. That's what trusting God's all about, folks. Trusting God has nothing to do with, I need to know everything that's going on in my life. Uh, God needs to show it to me now, and then I, now I know I'm trusting. No, 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 no. You don't know what's happening. You're blindfolded. You're walking. God, where are you? You're, you're tripping up. God, That's all right. Get, just get, get back up now. Keep going the same way. Yeah, okay. Feeling yourself around, and then finally when you get they take the blindfold. Oh, my God, it all makes sense. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know what's going to happen, folks? You'll never, ever fall into that trap again. You'll learn to trust God. Calm down, brother, sister. This ends well. Trust me. If you just trust God through this, right now, confusion, you don't understand what's going on, it's fine. It's always going to work out for your good. No, 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 you don't understand what I've got. I need to know this. I need to know this. No, 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 no. no. You know, God knows exactly what He's doing. You think He doesn't know? He's preparing Joseph for the palace. Let me share my favorite story with you, and I'm going to let you go tonight. We'll pray. There was a king that had a friend who had an irritating habit of always saying, this is good. Man, this is good. It didn't matter what it was. This is good. Anyhow, the king is fascinated with guns. He had never used a gun before. Wanted to go out hunting. They got a couple of guns, him and his friend. His friend, hey, this is good. Let's do it. This is good. They're out there with the guns. He's messing around. He's got the, and he, he pulls the trigger, unbeknownst to him, and blows his thumb off. <laughs> God, man, he's in pain, blood, thumbs on the ground. uh, And his friends, this is good. (laughs) And he's so upset with his friends. Like, man, you you know what? You're a rascal. Talking about this is good. I'm supposed to be your friend. I'm in pain, and you're telling me this is good. He had him locked up in the palace prison for a whole year. I'm going to show you what's good. The year goes by, and his little stump had now healed. He had learned how to handle a gun. He's now out in the jungles. He's hunting. And he stumbles upon a tribe of cannibals. They captured him. They tied him up. And they carried him back to the little cannibal village where all the cannibal women and the cannibal children were all waiting. (laughs) They they put him on top of this stack of firewood. They're going to barbecue the king. They're going to, you know, have a cookout. Man, they're dancing around the. All of a sudden, one of the cannibals noticed that the king's thumb was missing. They had this superstitious belief. They don't eat anything that isn't whole. So they untied the king and they drove him and they drive the king and immediately the king remembered his friend. Oh, my God, my friend told me this was good. Oh, he runs to the palace prison. He unlocks the door. My friend, I'm so sorry. I locked you up. for This is good. He says, stop it. Stop it for once in your life. Uh, I locked you up. How could this possibly be good? He says, king. This is good because had you not locked me up, I would have been with you, and I've got 10 fingers. (laughs) This is good. This is good. The next time you have a flat tire, shout, this is good. The next time somebody breaks your heart, say, this is good. The next time you experience a setback, say, this is good. When you lose your job, say, this is good. Because all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. God knows what he's doing with you. He's trying to teach you something through life. Are you learning? Is God able to get through to us? Because God got through to Joseph. He learned. Yeah, yeah, humility was not a problem for him anymore. He could have said to his brother, see, y'all are bowing down. To me. Didn't I tell you? Remember? Remember the prophetic word that came forth? I told you you would all bow down before me. That was not his attitude. He's embracing his brothers. He's weeping. He learned to live with unlikable people. He gave them the best of the land of of Egypt, the land of Goshen. Uh, He gave them jobs. He even got employees uh, for Pharaoh. And here he is, he's taking care of these brothers that he had finds so hard to live with. uh, But he learned to love these brothers. He learned the patience of God. He learned the provision of the Lord. All of those lessons Joseph captured. But the question is, uh, are we learning what God is teaching us? It could be anything simple. It could be God dealing with you about timekeeping. You are terrible at timekeeping, late for everything, late for work, late for class, late for your school, late for church, late for meetings, late for appointments. And the only thing you'll be on time for is your own funeral. Oh, you can't be late for that now. You died. So God says, look, I'm trying to take you somewhere where time is of the essence. Time is essential. You need to get this right. Regarding time, you're not learning. For others here, God's just teaching you how to be tidy. You are so untidy. Your house is a mess. (laughs) Your socks are here, tights over there, shoes kicked off everywhere. You open, pop people's trunk, uh, and there you get McDonald's wrappers, pieces of pizza, and the whole hair everywhere. It's like, ah, you won't take care of what you got. God's going to... God wants to give you something bigger, but you, you can't handle it yet. Some of you are bad with money. I'm trying to, I want to give you, a, there's a role that I got for you that has to do with handling of lots and lots of money. But I can't do that because you're not learning. You can't even take care of the money you have. You live beyond your means. Buy one, get seven free. I got to get it. I got to get it. You are bad with money. <laughs> Listen, I know it's funny, folks, but this, these are some serious issues here. Even Christian people in church, they wrestle with this stuff. For others, God's just trying to teach you how to be ladylike. You ain't going to be a, be a lady. Others, God's trying to teach you to be a disciple. When are you going to be a disciple? You see other men who are disciples and how they carry them. When are you going to get your act together and finally get it? Come into church week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. And it's going in one ear, coming out the other. It's like you're blind. You can't see. And weeks are trickling by, months are passing, years are beginning to escape you, and you're not capturing what God's trying to teach you. And so hence, you're stuck, and you're not moving anywhere. It was Tom Bodet that said in class, you're taught a lesson and then given a test. But in life, you're given a test to teach a lesson. And we think, well, that's not fair, because if you taught me the lesson first, I stand a better chance of passing the test. God says, no. I give you the test first to teach you the lesson. It's your responsibility to pass. You know what we're going to do when we pray at these altars? You're going to pray about two things in specific. Number one, God, what are you trying to teach me in my life right now? Not... Oh, that brother should have been in service today. That sister should have been here. That couple should have been. No, no, no. You should be here. God, they heard it. That's good. God, I'm glad that they heard that. Get him. Get him, Jesus. Get him. No, 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 no. Let him get you. Let him get you. The question is, God, what are you trying to teach me? This has nothing to do with anybody else, folks. This sermon is about us as individuals. What is the Spirit of God trying to teach you? Because if, God's, if you're telling me tonight and you're telling God that no, there's nothing that the Spirit of God's trying to teach me in my life, it means God's finished with you. That's a frightening thought. The second thing is, God, whatever it is that you're trying to teach me, help me learn it speedily. So I don't just keep going round and round. I, life is short, folks. How long do we live? 70 years, 80 years, 85, 90, you might make it 90. Hey, I don't know, man. You might become a centenarian, but 100 years isn't even not a lot of time. He's like, God, what are you trying to do? I can't spend 13 years on one thing. I need to move on past this now. I'm stuck here. I know you've got so much more you want to do with my life. God, help me learn it quickly. Because life is a classroom filled with left. I want you to bow your heads with me here tonight. Part of our prayer tonight was, God, what is it you're actually trying to teach me in my life right now? And perhaps you already know what it is. You have a head start. like oh, God, I know exactly what it is you're trying to teach me. I've ignored it. I've delayed. I've just somehow skipped over it, but I, you got my attention tonight. I know exactly what it is that you're trying to teach me and I'm going to work on that now. But for others, you're praying, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me in my life? And then God's hinted it. He's dropped something in your spirit and you say, oh, God, man, I should have known that. And then you pray, the second prayer is, God, help me to learn this quickly. And we're going to pray tonight. I want to pray for someone this evening who you feel trapped in a cycle. Like you just it, it's just never ending. You just keep going round, 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 round. I want you to come just stand right here. Let me pray for you. If that's you, I want to minister to you very quickly. You feel trapped. I'm not going to hold it much longer. If that's you, I want you to come. I want to pray for you, folks. I feel trapped I'm right here. I want to here or I, I just feel this restriction and I want to pray. Amen. Sis, sister, I'm praying for you. you praying as well? Yeah. Okay, Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus the hand of God upon our sisters. I am asking God that you break the cycle. I pray God that you release them into their destiny. I pray God that you take them by the hand. God, and lead them, God. I am asking you to break, God, the power of cycles. And I give you all the glory. Loose them right now and let them go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It has been done. Amen. There's somebody else here tonight. You feel like you've been left behind. You're looking at others, they've moved on, I'm stuck, I've been left behind, and it's that feeling like, God, everyone else is they've moved along, they've moved, they've gone, and I'm, it's, I've been left behind. I want to pray for you. If that's you, come. If I, I feel like I've been left behind. To, uh, to, I know the feeling I'm talking about, folks. I've been there myself. I feel like I've been left behind. I want you to, I want you to come on and pray for you quickly. And we're going to believe God together. We're going to believe God together. You know, and, and this is one of the things that really encourages my heart, that God is always after those who've been left behind. He always waits for them. Oh, it's, he's merciful. He's merciful. Brother, you know, um, the uh, have you ever heard of the Chinese bamboo? Yeah? Okay, well, when you plant the Chinese bamboo and you water it, fertilize it in the first year. Do you know what happens in the first year? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Doesn't sprout, doesn't grow. Nothing's taking place. You know what happens in the second year? Nothing. Third year, nothing. Fourth year, nothing. But in the fifth year, it comes out of the ground and grows three feet every day. Would you believe if I told you God can do that with your life? Father, touch him right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the roots that are going deep down. You are not left behind. You are not left behind. God, lay hands on her right now in the name of Jesus. Go to the back of the line, God, and take her to the front of the line. In Jesus' name, God, lay your hands upon the handmaiden of the Lord. And let her know that there is hope in you, O God. You know the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. He was there for how long, do you know? Thirty-eight years, sister, you're a woman of God. Thirty-eight years, he's stuck at the pool. He sees a solution, but he can't partake of it. He sees other people getting what he wants, but it's not falling to him. You know, I can do weird things to people, like to see other people get what you want, and it's like, how come they're getting it and I'm not getting it? That can make a person jaded. But God wants you to understand something. He can break that cycle anytime he wants to. He said, before I could get in, somebody else gets in before me. I have nobody to help me. It didn't matter. In other words, I'm trying to get in line, but I'm always at the back of the line. Can't get into the water where the angel comes down and experiences the miracle. You know what Jesus does? He takes him by the hand and he walks him to the front of the line. He says, here you go. He bypasses all protocols. All lines mean nothing to him. He can take you from the back and bring you right to the front. That's what he did with Joseph. Joseph all the way in the back, sitting in the prison, took him by the hand, brought him all the way into, nobody else was brought before Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, his whole world changed. Just like that. Father, touch her right now. Released in her life, God, this transformation, this change. Give her revelation of you. Help her not to reference off the past, but to reference off your word. In Jesus' name, God, lay hands on our sister. I come against every lie of the enemy. God that has sought to penetrate her mind and infiltrate her life. I come against spirits of hopelessness. I cast them out in the name of Jesus. Loose her and let her go right now. In Jesus name. Oh, hallelujah. Folks, God is so good. You believe that? Come you, on. Do you all really believe that? Amen. What's your name? Holly. Get it, Holly. How old are you? 19. You're 19 years old. You ever noticed a flower? Mm-hmm. Flowers have to come through the dirt. When they come through the dirt and they blossom, you don't see any sign that it's come through the dirt. That's your life. That's what God's doing with you. Bring you through a lot of mess and then bring you to the surface to blossom before the world. Can you receive that? You can? Lift your hands. Father, touch Holly right now in the name of Jesus. Make something even more beautiful out of her life. Oh God, release destiny in this young girl's life. Let it be triggered, Father. Speak to her in the midnight hour. God, I'm asking you, lay your hands upon her in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, don't you just love Jesus tonight, folks? He's a good God. I've had a wonderful time being here with you. And um, it, the time just, just flies so quick. We came Thursday, and it's, it's over. But you guys are a precious bunch. And I just wanted to say this to this whole church, this is a word for you. Your best days are ahead of you and not behind you. Yeah. Oftentimes the devil will come and lie to you and tell you, you've lived your best now. Nothing better, nothing greater is coming. It's a lie from hell. Your best days are ahead of you and not behind you. Though weeping may endure for a night, joy is coming in the morning. The Lord bless you as Pastor comes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amen. We've had a tremendous week. Praise God. We can leave refreshed.